0: This story kind of starts out with uh, Jesus, uh, it's like, you know, Jesus and, and the Pharisees, this, this continual clash, Jesus and the Pharisees, and they were upset because Jesus was a friend of sinners, and that, you know, he ate with sinners, and he drank with sinners, and, and this probably happened, this whole thing probably happened in a bar or something, I mean, who knows? Uh, but Jesus is there, and the religious leaders are just, like, infuriated. It's just like, how could he spend time with sinners? And it reminds me of a story. I, I was, uh, many, many years ago, um, I was, uh, okay, well, it goes back to that cowboy thing, you know, that I think I am. You know, I was trying to get a brand registered. And the brand was in the form of a dove, you know, kind of like that, uh, you've seen that kind of like that dove that's kind of like descending. And the lady was asking me what it meant and why I was doing it. And I was telling her. And she went off into this story. And, uh, you know, I mean, this, I promise you, this was 20 years ago. And I remember her telling this story and how fresh it was in her mind that she was at an airport. And there were some religious leaders there. And uh, I mean, they were just religious leaders. I don't have to tell you what kind they were. And uh, there were three men and two women. And uh, there was a seat next to the, to the one guy that was not married or were with his wife. And she went and just sit down in that seat. And uh, while they were waiting for their flight or something. And in the airport, here comes another religious person And he begins to walk down uh, in front of each one of the couples and kiss them on the cheek. And when he got to the lady that wasn't really a part of the group, he kissed her on the cheek. And the guy that was single said, Oh, no, that's not my wife. She's not with us. And he began to just like, you know, wipe this off like he was now unclean because he had kissed this woman on the cheek. And I tell you what, That probably happened 20 years before she told me that story, but it was still etched firmly in her mind that, you know, this religious leader thought that she was unclean and he began to wipe his lips because she was an unclean person. You know what? That's what religion does to us. It's such as higher above. And and this story starts out with men uh, and these religious leaders complaining because Jesus was spending time with sinners, with people that were, you know, they were so much better than, they they were so much higher than, uh, they were so much more righteous than this other group of people that they set themselves apart from. So we begin in verse 11. There was a man that had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son, apparently the story is about two sons, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And there squandered all of the wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. It's like when there's no food, there's no rain, there's nothing growing. It's just a, it's bad times. And he began to be in need, spent all of his money. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And if you know anything about Jewish, the Jewish religion, you know that, I mean, pigs were an abomination. They didn't eat pork. They were considered an unclean animal. But there this young Jewish boy is, the only way that he can earn a living, living is by feeding the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. It's like no one has had any, any mercy, any compassion, any tenderness toward this young man. It says, but when he came to his senses, and I love that. I, love, I mean, there's two passages of scripture, by the way, that say this. Same thing, say the same thing. One is in, in the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, after Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he, uh, he's, he, he's got all of these words spoken to him. Daniel talks about this incredible statue that the top part, the head, was of gold. And Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, he says, and you are that, in this illustration, you are that head of gold. And it went to his head, and he began to see himself as the greatest uh, he he saw his kingdom as, as the greatest, and and those things were true. But it wasn't by his power or his strength that it, that enabled him to uh, to become the greatest. It was all God's work, and so um, because of that, uh, he was he was cursed, and he became like a, a wild man. He lived out in the field. It said that he even grew like feathers. Uh, he ate grass. He ate like an animal in the field. But it says that at, at the end of the seven year period, which was the time of the curse, that he came to his senses. And I want to say to us that sometimes, you know, in our lives, sin is like that. It's like you were totally blinded to what God's word says and, uh, and your obedience to God's words. It, it's just like you cast all of that out the door. and It's just like you forget what God's word says or you don't care what God's word says. And then you go through... A difficult time, like King Nebuchadnezzar or the young prodigal son, that all of a sudden is just like, man, you know, what am I doing? You know, look at my life. Uh, my life is a wreck right now. What what's going on? I mean, and I've been in charge, and, and and I have no one else to blame but myself. We go through those time periods where we we blame our parents because we're victims, or we blame our bosses because. They're treating us wrong or indifferently, or you know there's someone to blame. And then all of a sudden we come to our senses and we recognize, you know what, uh, I, this is me. I, I did this. I did this. That's what's called coming to your senses. When you recognize that the mess you're in, you got there yourself. no one forced you there. You got in that mess yourself, and you come to your senses. And when the prodigal came to his senses, he thinks to himself, "How many of my father's hired men have food to spare?" And here I am starving to death. And then he sets out with a plan. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Make me a, what he was saying is, make me a slave. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up. He's got this plan. He's rehearsed what he's going to say. He got up and went to his his father. I notice that this really isn't part of my message today, but notice five, the five things that the father does, okay? And for those of us that somehow uh, we go through bad times in life and we think that God is against us and this is God's doing, that God is punishing me. And... You know while the young man was thinking about all of the the things that he had done that had got him in that situation, and that he deserved justice or judgment um but while he was uh while he was a a far a long way off the scripture says his father saw him as I think about that, I think about Jesus. And many times he would say, why are you thinking that in your heart? What what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your bed and walk? So the father knew. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His father saw him and was filled with compassion, not wrath. Didn't get the rod ready. Didn't get the strap ready. You know, just wait till he gets here. Man, I'm going to give it to him. He'll know what it's like to take my money and go off and live in in wild, crazy living. But his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion. And notice who makes the first move. I mean, the son is already on his way, but the father ran to the son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. you hear that? He saw him. He was filled with compassion. He ran to him, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And then here goes the son with the speech that he had rehearsed. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I want to just tell you guys that it could have stopped right there. The father could have said, You're right. You have sinned against me. And you haven't acted like my son, and you're no longer worthy to be called my son, and yeah, I'll bring you back, but yeah, get out there in the field. You got it, you had a good idea. Won't you just become a slave? Won't you get out there in the field and see what it's like to be a slave? My slaves are better to me than you've been to me. He says, "I'm no longer worthy to be called your slave. I mean, call your son. And I want to just tell you that. Like I said, it could have stopped right there. If you can't receive the forgiveness of God for what you've done, you can't move on. You can't move forward in what God has called you to do in your life. If you can't receive the forgiveness that the Father is offering, and notice what the Father says, and we're gonna, this is what we're going to talk about this morning. But the Father said to his servants. Quick bring the best robe and put it on him. put a ring on his fingers, sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. he was lost, and now he's found, and so they began to celebrate. but meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and I want to know that I want you to know that when you can hear not just music, but when you can hear dancing, when you can hear dancing, I mean, they're getting it on. I mean, th- this is not quiet. This is not a waltz. I mean, they're, they're, they're shaking the house. Right. And so he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother, and we're going to be talking about the older brother next week, so you don't want to miss that. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. This infuriated the older brother. So when the father went out and pleaded with him, notice this is the second time that the father has to go out, go out to get a son. First time he's got to go out and get the younger son. The second time he's got to go out to get the older son. But this infuriated the older brother. And so the father went out and pleaded with him, and he answered his father. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your order. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friend. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father, said, you were always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. You know, in this same uh, passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 15, there's a story about a lost coin and a lost sheep and a lost son. And in one of those stories, it talks about how the angels of heaven rejoice when one sinner comes to repentance. And I'm going to tell you that I, I believe, I've got to believe that the, the uh angels that prepare the, the, the party-preparing angels have got to be the busiest angels in heaven because there's always somebody that's repenting. There's always somebody that's coming home. I mean, they're getting it on every day. They got, to be, they got to be busy every day getting something done. Here's another one that's got saved. Here's another one that's got saved. Look at the work that God is doing. So I'm going to talk about four things. I'm going to talk about the four things that the, that the father gave the son in, in, in the same order that they're recorded in the scripture. First of all, he brings him a robe. The father says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Not just a robe, but bring, a be, bring the best robe and put it on him. I want to remind you of uh, a story that comes from Genesis chapter 37. It says, now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he was born to him in his old age and he made him a richly ornamented robe for him and when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than them they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him and Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers they hated it hated him all the more there is something about this robe i mean what this robe showed was favor it showed that uh, you know, like there was like a great rejoicing. It was it, it's what you did in just like rare moments, you know, placing this robe on an individual. And uh, well, there's another story in Zechariah chapter three where the where it says that the uh, high priest Zechariah, the high priest, is being accused by Satan before the Father, and it says uh, that uh, that that the Lord says. Quick, bring him a quick, a clean change of clothes, uh, a, a robe or a garment and put it on him and put a new turban on his head. And, and he says, I, I've washed away all of his sins. And so how does, how does that relate to us this morning? Isaiah chapter 61 says, I delighted greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For listen to this, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me With a robe of righteousness. See, this robe was not placed on this young man because of his goodness or because of his righteousness. It was placed on him because of God's favor, because of God's goodness, because of the good things that God has done. You know what the Bible says that that he that knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God by him. That he, Jesus, took all of our sin, God took all of our sin and placed all of our sin upon him and then took all of his righteousness and placed it upon us. You know, it's not a robe of works. It's a robe of favor. It's a robe of grace. It's a robe of God's goodness in our lives. And I want you to know that everyone that's a believer in this room today, God has clothed you with a robe of righteousness. And the second thing that we see that the father did is is he put a ring on his finger and this uh, is very symbolic, and uh, I, again, I take you back to Joseph in Genesis chapter 41. Uh, you know the story of Joseph. His brothers hated him. We read some of that earlier. They hated him because of this, this robe, that this garment that uh, the father, that Jacob had made it for him. But they hated him even more for the words that he spoke. They hated him because he was a favored son uh, They hated him and to the point where they wanted to kill him, but they ended up selling him into slavery. And he goes from slavery to Potiphar's house, being falsely accused to prison. And out of prison, God delivers him and brings him right into Pharaoh's court. He's higher than what would even be the vice president of our nation. He was second to Pharaoh. And we pick up in verse 41 of chapter 41. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Uh, Basically what Pharaoh was saying is, dude, you're in charge and I'm backing off. I'm just going to watch what you do. And I'm trusting and knowing that God's favor is upon you. And I know that you're going to do a good job. How do I know that? Because God is with you. Because God is with you. That's what I would say to you this morning. I know that you're going to do a good job because the favor of God is with you, that God is with you. Not in your own power, not in your own strength. You're going to do a good job because the favor of God is upon you and God is with you. Verse 42, notice this. And Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, took it off of his hand, and put it on Joseph's finger. And here we go with that. He dressed him with robes of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck, he had him ride in a chariot as second in command. And men shouted before him, make way, make way, make way. This he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or a foot in all of Egypt. Now that is showing him favor. But he gave him his signet ring. And that was that anything that he put that stamp on, I mean, that was just like the ultimate favor. I've got the signet ring of the king. I've got the signet ring. We read it again. We read in Esther something very similar. Remember, there was a, a man in, uh, in the book of, uh, of Esther. His name was Haman, a wicked, wicked man who hated the Jews. And wanted to exterminate. He wanted to just kill, annihilate every Jew that was there. But what he didn't know is that the king's wife was a Jew. And he's got this plan to kill Jews throughout the land. And when the plan becomes revealed to King Xerxes, he gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai, which was her uncle, came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. And the king took off his signet ring. There we go again, this important ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman and presented it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. This signet ring, a robe and a signet ring, this is what the father has done for the son that has been living Uh, this wild life. The third thing that we see that the father did is that put sandals on his feet. You know, in those days, in that culture, um, if you didn't have shoes, you were either the poorest of the poor or you were a slave. And the father was going to say that my son is no longer the poorest of the poor and he's certainly not a slave. Listen to this scripture from Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, it says, When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, and the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, since you are a son. God has also made you an heir. You know, God only knows us by two names, all right? And that's sons and daughters. We're not slaves. You're not a slave. And Christ has redeemed you. He has redeemed you from the, from the curse of the law so that you are no longer a slave. At one time, yes and maybe there's maybe someone in here this morning that has not received Christ as Lord, and yes, you would still fall into that category, but God is saying today is a day of salvation. You guys remember, some of you remember many years ago that uh, on milk cartons, they would feature some lost child, have a picture and a profile of that child. How many of you remember that? Okay, you you guys are really old. that just raised your hand, because they don't don't do that anymore. But... uh, but I, I want to just tell you that, you know, this morning when God was having a glass of milk and he looked at the milk cart and he said, You know what, I've got still got some lost I've got some lost children out there and I love them and I'm missing them and I want them back. And I wanted you to know that the heart of God, if you have not received Christ as your Savior this morning, that the heart of God is after you this morning, that he wants to put a robe on you and a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet today to show that you're no longer a slave. Let me just give you another example of that, just the heart of God. This is talking about Paul, I believe it's Paul and Silas and one of their missionary journeys. And it says, Once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl. Remember what Jesus said, you know, he said, I came to set the captive free. You know, those that are that have gone into spiritual slavery, those that have been bound by by sin and bound by the devil. You know, he says, uh, He says, Paul is saying that once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. So a couple of guys, I don't know, a, a, a corrupt corporation, you know, some bad guys, have found a way to make some money from this slave girl you know, by making her tell fortunes of those that, uh, you know, they would drum up money for. And so she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. What she was saying is true, but the spirit that she was saying it by was not of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't of God. And she kept this up for many days. And finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And that is, the, that is how God sets the slaves free. A slave girl that's now been set free by the, by the name of Jesus and by the power of the word. Amen? All right. I, this is good stuff, guys. Um, final point here this morning. So we got a robe, we got a ring, and we got sandals. I was trying to put all these first letters together to make it easy for you so that you'd have something to remember this week, that you'd think about it. But just go back and read Luke 15. It's it's good. It's good. And so then there's this big feast. Well, before we get there, let me just say, say this to you. You know, when In Galatians, we were talking about, let me go back to the Galatians 4 scripture. He says that we've got the spirit in our our hearts. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've got the Holy Spirit in your heart that cries out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. That you're no longer a slave, bound by and controlled by Satan, but you're free, controlled or, or directed by, guided by the Holy Spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. And that is the real difference between condemnation in our life um, and conviction in our life. The, the Holy Spirit in our life, when we begin to wander, when we begin to take, you know, steps that are apart from God or apart from his word, the Holy Spirit begins to, to cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, I I begin to cry out, Father, Lord, something's not right, my life has taken a turn, I don't like what I'm doing right now or what I'm thinking or what I'm thinking about. Abba, Father, come Lord, just come and change me, change my heart. On the other hand, you know, just like we were talking about in the book of Zechariah with the high priest there and Satan standing there accusing him before the father, before the high priest, just making this accusation, look at him, he's dirty, he's filthy, look at him. And, you know, the the Lord says, I I, I know, I found him in the fire. I found him in the fire and I plucked him out of the fire. And now I'm going to put clean clothes on him, I'm going to put a new robe on him, I'm going to put a turban on his head, I'm cleaning him up. And that's what God is saying that, you know, that the Abba Father, I, I, God's saying, I, I'm working in your heart. I'm doing something special in your heart. Condemnation says, you know what, you, you are so, I mean, you were so unworthy. I mean, look at you. You took your father's money. You know what, that, you know, that was probably the greatest insult that a, a son could say to his father in that culture. What he was really saying is that, you know what, dude, I wish you were dead. Because I need the money now. What if you just hurry up and die, so I could get my inheritance? You know, then life would be good. But he didn't say that. What he did say is, you know what? Just give me my money now. Let me leave. I got a portion coming. I got something coming. Let me have that money now, and I'm out of here. Enough of you, enough of the farm, enough of the big brother, another, enough of the double portion that the big brother's going to get, you know. I know I know where my position is. I am out of here. Give me the money. And it was, a, it was the greatest insult that a son could say to his father, give me my money now before you die, because what he was really saying is, I wish you were dead, so I had the money. All right? And so condemnation says you know what man you 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 should be a slave you deserve everything that you got in that foreign land you should still be with the pigs you should still be living in that foreign land you should still be poor you should still be begging for food you should not even think about coming to the father's house because he wants nothing to do with you stay away That's what condemnation says. Stay away from the church. Stay away from church people. Stay away from the word of God. Stay away from prayer. Stay away from all of that because you're not worthy. But the spirit of God is saying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Lord, I'm broken. I am broken. I've done some stupid things. God, look at what I did. I took my father's money. I went into a foreign land. You know the life that I lived? Oh, God, restoration. This is such a beautiful picture of restoration. And if any of you are in that place this morning where you feel distant from God, God's saying, you know what? Hey, you you know, I don't think it was just a casual, you know, just kind of like, I don't know, I just kind of visualize it kind of like that, you know, the father's house was at the end of the road, but it was a straight road. And I don't think that the father just kind of like would casually walk by the window and glance down the road. I think the father sat on the porch, God, the father was saying, is today the day? Is, Is he coming back? Is today the day? Is today the day that he's coming back? God, please, 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 God, move in his heart. This is the way that you and I should be praying for those that we know that are distant from God. God, please let today be the day. You know, I, I preached on this a couple of months ago, but remember when Moses was bringing the plagues against Egypt? He brought, you know, darkness, the river turned into blood. Uh, all of these crazy things, you know, hail is falling from the sky, destroying the crops and animals, and all of the stuff is going on. But one of the plagues was the plague of frogs. And it said there were frogs all over the place. I mean, they were in the food and in the refrigerator and in the cupboard and in the bed. It's just like frogs everywhere. And uh, Moses says um, to Pharaoh, if you'll let my people go, I can get rid of the frogs. And uh, uh, Pharaoh says to Moses, he says, let me think about it. And uh, Moses says, will you just let me know when? And and, Mo, and Pharaoh says, one more night. Let's ju- we're just going to stay one more night with the frogs. I'll let you know tomorrow. Can you imagine that? One more night? And yet some of us are in that place with God right now. Uh, Lord, what, you know, I, you know, it's not right. I know it's not right. The lifestyle I'm living is not right. What I'm thinking about, what I'm looking at, what I'm watching. What I'm addicted to, it's not right. But one more night, let me think about it one more night. God's saying, today, today, if you're willing, he can deliver you. He can can take you from being a slave to being a son or a daughter. Well, I'm going to stop there because I said enough. But there is something about a feast there's something about killing the fatted calf. And let me just, I'll just point that out. Why don't you just stand up and, and uh, I'll just make a few comments about that. You know, the fatted calf was, a, was a, a a stall-fed calf. It was a calf that received the best of the food. And it was uh, for um, just certain great feast days. And the father said, hey, not, not a little sheep, not a little goat out of the herd. Go get the best calf that we have that there's going to be a great celebration. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus talks about a wedding that the Heavenly Father is putting on. And in that he says, you know, invite them all to come that I have killed the fatted calf and I want them all to be there. I want you all to be there. I want you to come. The fatted calf has been killed and slaughtered you know, there's going to be a line in heaven that talks about the the uh, marriage supper of the lamb. You know, there's going to be all kind of lines there. And yeah, I don't know about you, but I want to be in the fatted calf line. I don't want to be in the quiche line or the tofu line or any of that other stuff. I mean, just bring me to the fatted calf. That's where I want to be. And that's where I want you to be too. I want us to be there together. I want us to, you. if you're distant from God today, get that picture of the father looking down the road. He saw, he ran, he had compassion, he embraced his son, and he kissed his son. And that's what he wants to do to you today. And I just ask you the question, will you, will you come home? Um, there may be sin in your life right now that, You are not willing to quit or not able to quit. But if you'll just simply say, Father, I know that the lifestyle that I'm living right now is wrong. And I'm asking you, Father, Abba, Father, to change my heart, to change my life. Lord, give me a heart that wants to follow hard after you. Lord Jesus, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior today. If you've never prayed this prayer, you can just say it just like that. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to forgive me my my sins. Lord, you know the life I've been living is just wrong and contrary to you and your word, that I've sinned against you, I've transgressed your word. Lord, there's iniquity in my life, and I'm asking that you would break sin's power in my life and give me a heart that desires you. I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me. Let goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and God's people said, amen.